the top dog in running has finally been crowned. No, it's not Faith Kipiagon or Jakob Ingebrigtsen. It's the ASICS Super Blast. Congratulations to ASICS for putting out the shoe that is ranked number one on the betterrunningshoes.com fall 2023 list. Betterrunningshoes.com, powered by letsrun.com. Check your show notes to the article of our top shoes of the fall. And just because it's fall, people, doesn't mean you don't need electrolytes. Hell, the Twin Cities Marathon was canceled. If people were drinking electrolytes without the junk, that is drinklmnt.com slash let's run. They probably wouldn't need to cancel this thing. And the best news of all is grapefruit salt. I don't even like grapefruit, but this is my favorite element flavor is now year round. This flavor is so good. They made it year round. They got a money back guarantee. Check it out today. Link in the show notes. Drinklmnt.com slash let's run. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. The World Athletics Road Running Championships are in the books, and Hobbs Kessler is the first ever road mile world champion. While Faith Kip Egon suffered her first and only defeat of the 2023 season in her final race of the year, Kenyans dominated the half marathons, one, two, three sweeps in each of them, led by Sebastian Sawe and Perez Jepchirchi, your gold medalist. That is a record-tying third world half marathon title for Perez Jepchirchi. We've also got the Chicago Marathon this weekend. A ton of top Americans are running it. One of the last big marathons before the U.S. Olympic trials on February 3rd. Galen Rupp is there, Connor Mance. Emily Sisson, Emma Bates, Molly Seidel should be fantastic. Plus, not one, but two possibilities at the world record. Kelvin Kiptum and Ruth Chepengedich. Could they come close? Looks like it's going to be good conditions on race day on Sunday. Plus, Alberto Salazar's USADA ban has expired. The Brojos want to talk about it, so we will talk about it. And in non-running news, my Patriots lost to Weldon's Cowboys 38-3. Congratulations. Congratulations to Robert's Orioles for winning the American League East. Okay. This is Jonathan Galt. I am joined by Robert Johnson, Weldon Johnson. Here to talk some running. Guys, good to see you. I feel like fall is hitting. The leaves are changing color. It's going to be 80 degrees in Boston today, which isn't very fall-like, but it's one of the best times of the year in New England. Hope you guys are enjoying it and getting outside. It's amazing how certain weeks we don't talk a lot about sports at the beginning, but that's okay, John. We'll turn to the World Half Marathon Championships, the World Road Running Championships, because that's my area of expertise. Being the 105th place finisher myself at the 1999 World Half Marathon Championships. Doesn't get much better than that. And contrary to Robert's protestations, no matter what he says, Hobbs Kessler is a world champion. I, I woke up today and even saw it on scrolling through my Google News feed, and it said Hobbs Kessler world mo- world road. Ch- no, it didn't even say road in the headline. I think it said on ESPN 
mile mile world champion. So congrats to Hobbs. Yeah, I thought it was kind of ridiculous, actually. I was saying, I, I tweeted out that he was a world champion afterwards, and then Robert sends me a complaint on Sunday morning. John, please don't post misleading information. He's the world road running champion. He's not a world champion. I'm just like, yes, he is. He is a world champion. Now, they, they award a gold medal. They award the title of world champion. Is this even close to the world champion gold medals that were awarded in Budapest a couple months ago? No. But to say that he's not a world champion at all, it's disingenuous. He is the world champion in the road mile. What's disingenuous, John, and the reason why I texted you, and I'm a huge Kessler fan, is you not including the word road in that tweet. I, I did include the word road, actually. The tweet was... I'll read off the tweet for you. I tried to give as much context as possible. It said, Hobbs Kessler, world champion. The 20-year-old American prevails in a mad dash to win the first ever road mile world championship in Riga, Latvia. So I don't understand what you're complaining about. Well, if my beloved five-year-old son, Clayton, gets a gold medal for showing up at karate practice today, is he a gold medalist? Well, is he at the World gold. Karate Championships? Cobbs Kessler ran at something called the Ro- World Athletics Road Running Championships, Robert. I mean, if we really wanted to get spicy, Hobbs Kessler can accurately call himself a world champion in the Denver Nuggets. I mean, who's more of a world champion, the Denver Nuggets or Hobbs Kessler? The labels we give to people nowadays sometimes don't mean anything. All right, Robert, I'm going to cut you off right there. I see this road. We're not getting off the highway. We're going to plow on straight ahead. Uh, damn, I wanted to go into the main high school cross-country season. That will be for another day. Repeat after me. A trans woman is a... I said we're not, getting off the, we're not getting off the highway. We're staying straight ahead. No tons. At best, another trans woman. You're lucky I didn't say beep. I have a rare correction. The ESPN headline is Hobbs Kessler, Dribi Watelche, set world records in Road Mile. So Road Mile is in there. He also is a world record holder. I think I left that part out. I mean, I've basically been trying to downplay the whole thing because we all know that this, I mean, it's only been a world record discipline since 2023. Like, anyone who, whoever won this race was going to set a world record. So, yes, technically he's the world record holder, but that thing should be like five to 10 seconds faster. So I'm, yeah, the, no, the nice thing for Hobbs, though, is this one of the easiest world record bonuses ever? Obviously, he had to win the race, but the field wasn't that good, and he only had to run 356. He, he gets a $50,000 bonus for setting the world record. Like, if you, any of the guys from the Budapest final, I guess apart from Reynold Chariot, who was in this race and did not run well, would have had a good shot at getting 50K to break this world record if they'd shown up and run it. Easy money. I have to think a lot of guys didn't realize what was going to happen, or maybe they just assumed better people were going to show up. But let, let's take a step back in all seriousness. So they've long time had the World Half Marathon Championships. This year they expand the event, call it the Road Running Championships. They add in the miles, the 5Ks, and the half marathons. Half marathons had a lot more prize money. It was like $30,000 for first versus only $10,000 for first in the shorter events, but you did get a $50,000 bonus if you broke a world record. We can talk about what we think about the event. I try not to be a negative all the time. Well, we'll wait to that later. Let's talk about Kessler's race. I was very happy that he continued to run after USA's after not making the team. He's a young guy. He needs to keep racing. 
you went over to Europe after after the Diamond League final and won an 800 in a pretty good time, ran a decent 1500. And now he ends his season in perfect fashion. I mean, he wins this race, gets a nice payday. I, I, I think it's exactly what he needed. I, I think track stars of all ages need to learn that the season is not just one meet. It keeps going. There's other things you should show up for. It's important to race. It's okay to lose, et cetera. I think he's going to be feeling really good about heading into next year and Olympic year, obviously a big year for him. Yeah, I think it was great. I looked at the field on paper and Reynold Chariot, the Kenyan former world under 20 champion, 330 PB world finalist this year. I was like, okay, this is the guy to beat. But after that, the race was wide open. I was like, Hobbs Kessler, he should be meddling. Like, this is a field, if he's as good as we think he is, and with how he'd been running, you know, he ran 146, 1 in 800 a, few, a couple weeks ago in Europe, ran 335 in Berlin. I'm like, all right, this is a field he should be meddling against. And he absolutely delivered. He ran a great race. It was not... Okay, look, the field was not very good. This event, the 1500, has been very deep this year, and almost all the best guys were not in this race. But I thought the way he ran this was pretty good, and he got he said he got a text from Nick Willis before, five-time Fifth Avenue Mile champion, saying, you know, tuck in. And he was doing that a bit, but it was, it was windy. It was not like, you know, you, you, this was a mad dash for the finish line. The top... Five guys rule separated by less than a second. I mean, I thought I was impressed by how he ran this. He made moved to the front, and when he went, he went. And it was a bit into the wind, but he kind of, he was like, you know, at some point you got to lead the race. It was a little hard to manage because there was a late turn with this little roundabout thing. He said he got blasted by the wind, but I was impressed by how Hobbs Kessel ran. I love to see him enjoying it after the race. You could tell how thrilled he was to be holding up the world record banner and celebrating in the Team USA kit for 20... We got to remember, he's a 20-year-old kid. So for him to do that, go over all the way to Latvia, unfamiliar country, get it done, I was very impressed by him, and it was a good way to end the 2023 season. So I'm glad he did it. It made this race more entertaining. Sam Prakel, we should also shout out, got the bronze medal. Um, so a good day for the Americans in uh, in this race, not so much in all the other races. I guess the other races were just more competitive. So I, it's it's kind of hard to say, oh, the Americans did. Well, they were up against a lot tougher competition in the other races. So I'll be fair to those guys. Here's a trivia question for everybody. What place did Sam Prankel get at the 5th Avenue Mile this year? Hobbs Kessler did not run the race. Eighth place? Sixth place. I wonder if George Mills... Well, Josh Kerr won it. George Bemis, Vincent Ciotti, and Azadine Hobbs are all regretting not going to Latvia and picking up $60,000. Okay. A few points here. If something's going to call itself the World Championships, it can't give away $10,000 in prize money to the winner. I liked the fact that they added a mile world championship. I, I like the fact they have a 5k world championship. I don't think all six events should be the same day. I don't think they should all be the same weekend. I think they should be separate events, but at the very least, 
Athletes need to demand more. $10,000 and you're calling yourself a world championship? That's embarrassing. We need to do an article on like how much prize money has changed over the years. I mean, inflation is really starting to bite into things. And prize money doesn't seem to be going up. Diamond League prize money's offered- gone down. You st- yeah. yeah, look I mean, at the winners of the Diamond League final. It used to be 50K and now it's 30K. So maybe that would be a reality check for the sport. But $10,000? I mean, they're flying more uh, on like plane tickets for people. Yeah, well, interesting you say about the timing of this and should all these things be together. We were talking about this before the podcast. When it was just the standalone World Half Marathon Championship, it felt like those races meant more. You know, the last one we had in Poland in 2020, granted that field was a little bit more exciting. We had Joshua Cheptegei, we had Jacob Kiplimo. It was the first World Championships since the COVID pandemic. There was a lot of hype around that event and it delivered. But this one, it was like, you know, as someone who got up early and watched the whole thing, by the time the half marathons were going, it's like, oh, I've already seen four world championship races. I wouldn't have minded having just the 5Ks and the mile on Saturday and the half marathon on Sunday. I think that was originally the plan. It was supposed to be a two-day event and it got shifted. But the other thing, I think it might be fun. You throw these road miles and road 5Ks as part of a full marathon. So you know how we have the dash to the finish 5K before the New York City Marathon. I think that would be great. You've already got a bunch of running fans in town for an event. Fly them in, say, hey, we're going to do the road mile. It's going to finish at the Chicago Marathon finish line, or it's going to finish, have it in the spring. It's going to finish at the London Marathon finish line. Something like that. You've already got some fans who will turn out for it. And you can still give it the stage it deserves without having it draw attention away from the World Half Marathon, which should be one of the best events on the calendar. Correct. I guess we'll go there now and just talk about the format. I've been struggling with my week that was. I may not even put one out because this is really the only event. And I, Olden says I always just criticize stuff. They're trying something different, but to me it's clear. You can't crown six world champions in one day. It's just... It's not satisfying as a fan. You don't know which race to focus on. Each race should be celebrated. That's why I like the world half. It's a standalone thing. You get into that, whatever. Now with six, it's like, which of these races is most important? If there's one's off, do you focus on the one that's not a good race or do you focus on that's a good, good race? So six at once, not a good idea. The, t- the time of year doesn't make any sense at all for the milers and, and, the, and the 5Ks. We just had them. We already know who the world champions are in those events. So at at a minimum, if we're going to have another major event, John, I think the time should be switched. Having it in the New York City Marathon doesn't make sense because no one's in shape for a 5K or or, or a mile then. I would move it to the beginning of the year back when the world half used to be, like March. They always start Daytona 500. That's the big event. It's the first event of the season. If you want to get people in more meets that mean something, you would have something at the beginning of the year like March but you'd have to have tons of money, like literally like a million dollars, or you need to have like a $300,000 first prize, which isn't realistic. I know that. We've got to save $3 million for Siegel, and we don't have just a million dollars to throw in one event here. So, Robert, are you now suggesting that World Athletics should be getting some of Max Siegel's bloated salary? I mean, well, we need to keep a running list of the things that Robert has 
earmarked this $3 million extra for in the world of running? Because I think at this point, he's already doled it out about three or four times. But I'm with you. I I would like each one to be its own standalone event if they're going to have it. But to me, we we don't, I don't know what the solution is, but we don't need more half-ass events. And we don't need more events that dilute talent and confuse people. To me, this confuses people. Like, which is more important, this or the Diamond League final? So we need more events that matter and that are meaningful. We don't need more just random events. Okay, let, let me push back on that, though. You're saying we need more events that are meaningful. World Athletics just added two distances. They added the 5K. They added the mile. They're trying to make it more meaningful. And But okay, why? You can, you, can, you can gripe about the <laughs> calendar, but Robert, what, all right, if, if we're not going to add these events, which are events that are run not that frequently, but can potentially attract some top talent, like what would you rather see? If we need to add more meaningful events... What do you mean by that, if not adding these championship races? They've made this. This is going to be an annual event. Guess what's not even an annual event? The World Championships. Well, that's one. Two, World Cross Countries, biannual. World Indoors, biannual. So that, that doesn't make any sense. Like, we had a great event. It was called World Cross Country. And they diluted it by going to short course and long course, they said it wasn't popular. Now it's every other year. To me, I would put, I, I know that these monies are coming from the local committees and stuff. It's not the same. You can't just put the money that went to Riga into World Cross, but I'd rather, okay, we're going to make World Cross important again. We're going to make World Indoors a must-see event. We're not going to waste $500,000 on this Riga thing. We're going to have everybody show up at World Indoors. Or it, it should be, you know, and I, I, the calendar doesn't make sense to me, like how we have Olympics 2024, Worlds 2025 and 2027, but nothing in 2028. And now they're going to do like World Cross and World Indoors on the Olympic years. Like either have an event every year or maybe go every other year. I'm willing to go to the Worlds 2024, 26, 28 and just get rid of the ones in between if you want to do that. It has nothing to do whether it's every year. You need to have major events that people care about. They tried to do this, but this was a watered down event. Like some, the first event, there, there was more money for the half marathons than the mile. Like why, why is that the case? That's not logical. And then certain events were just streamed and some were on TV. No, highlight the best athletes, pay them more money and get them there. So I, I, I still come back to them. These should be separate events, but at the very least, you can't pay someone $10,000 and call the world championships. This is running. There are annual road events. There are annual marathons. This could easily be an annual event. I love John's idea of putting it the day before the Berlin Marathon, the Chicago Marathon, whatever. But the way our sports works, there'll be co- sponsor conflicts and that won't happen because people somehow can never work together to try to make the pie better. Instead, our tiny little pie, they're just fighting for scraps, man. I mean, that's how it works, right? There's very little let's think strategically to work together. But uh, yeah, let's don't put the people sleep. There, there's no easy solution for this. If there was, somebody would have thought of it. I want to talk about who did Hobbs Kessler beat. You guys know who got second in this event? Only because I've been staring at his name preparing for this podcast. It's someone called Callum Elson. And I, I I mean, good for Callum. 
but this guy was eighth at the British Championships. It's not who you would think would be silver medalist of the World Championship. But then Hobbs Kessler was sixth at the Brit at the UK at the US Championships, which are I was not as strong as the UK Championships right now in the fifteen hundred. So this that that's who your podium finishes were here. It was the sixth placer at USA's, the eighth placer at the British Championships. And then the fourth placer at USA's was one, two, three in the Road Mile World Championships. I'm kind of obsessed with Caleb Elson. John, you should redo some research. If you look up Tilla Stopcha, he's got like one year of results. He used to be a soccer player. He's got his own YouTube channel. He's basically unsponsored or spo- he gets someone sponsors the YouTube, but he gets like a couple thousand dollars. It's absolutely amazing on this channel. He he counted up how much money he spent on the year uh, traveling around. He is the pin relays mile champion, I think, for that was from last year. But he went to American International University. He was the DC, NCAA Division II 1500 meter champion in 2022. That's a pretty phenomenal story, actually, Robert. Yeah, I know. I, I don't want to come across like, yes, the field was weak, but. That is an awesome story. His PB at the start of this year, Robert, do you know what it was in 15, uh, 1,500 meters? 340, right? 340. He's now gotten down to 335, and now he's a silver medalist at the World Road Running Championships. So I'm guessing that's going to be... I assume that's good enough to get him some sort of contract with someone saying you're a silver medalist. So it, no, it is a cool story for someone who wasn't really in the sport a couple of years ago to now re- represent Great Britain run 335 and, and get a silver medal. I think I'll link to his YouTube channel in the show notes. He's only got like 3000 followers. Like we should just put his, his, his videos up on let's run. So he gets more listeners, but he spent like four grand going to these meets. And then he got like hotels covered at most of them. And then a little bit of prize money. He had to buy his own spikes. He's buying his own spikes. He lost like 800 pounds overall in the year. This is before Wozo. He had a video two weeks ago saying the season's over. I did pretty good. I went from 340 to 335. I'm not that far from the Olympic standard. He didn't say anything about the World Road Championships coming up, so I didn't think he even knew he was going to it. And now he's gotten a nice payday. So I guess he's in the he's in the black now because he had lost like 700 pounds, but now he picked up what, like 7,000 or 6,000? Or I'm just glad to see Great Britain sending him to this event. I mean, they, they have these high criteria for who gets to go to world championships you wouldn't think he would meet it as some contender but guess what they sent this guy and he ends up getting a medal so maybe that should be a lesson just like we saw uh with ben patterson in the 800 at worlds okay for the record elson won six thousand dollars here's his story 2020 covid ended his soccer season so he picked up his hobby running more seriously ran fast enough to get the ncaa scholarship in his fourth, third mile race ever, he breaks, breaks four. I mean, it's kind of wild. And now he's winning the silver medal, basically sponsoring himself. And he's beaten by a guy that makes $600,000 per year out of high school. This is how the sport, the money is just absolutely wild. Like some people are getting, just raking it in. And some people are like basically asking for handouts. You don't know Hobbs Kessler's contract, so don't state that as a fact. But how good of a soccer player was this guy? Football player, excuse me. I'm reading his Wikipedia. It says he concentrated on playing football at the University of Durham. I mean, 
college soccer is not a thing in England in terms of like you know top talent. So I I, I don't know. Maybe he was. I'd have to dig into it, but I don't see him being part of any sort of but, team academy. But maybe that was the case. I don't know. Okay, the prize money in this mile. Ten thousand for first. I mean, fifty thousand dollar world record bonus. So that's nice. Second, six thousand. I mean, this guy had finished what a half second ahead. Oh my god, it would have been a huge payday for him. But fifth place gets twelve hundred and fifty dollars. This is a world championship. You know what? How much I heard an SEC soccer referee gets per game? Fourteen hundred dollars. So I don't know if that's the exact number, but say it's over a thousand dollars. Wait, We're well going- then, how did you come across that information? John, in my over 40 soccer match, we had a great referee this game, and he called the penalty at the edge of the box, and I'm like, this is a good ref. This guy's consistent, at least. Like, a lot of refs wouldn't call that. And he was just refereeing like it, like, like it was Premier League. And the linesman said, oh, this guy, he does SEC games. He flies all over. And I'm like, oh, what do those pay? And he said, oh, I swear he said $1,400. For so, one game? Yeah. No, no way. And I just Googled online, and they said big conferences may pay over $1,000 a game. So we're paying over a thousand dollars a game for a college soccer game in the United States for a referee. Yet the fifth place or at a world championships makes about the same amount of money. All right. Well, I mean, you've made your point. I don't want to hear any more complaints about this prize money. Let's talk about some of the races. We had this, the road mile with Hobbs Kessler winning on the women's side. This was the surprise of the day. People are saying, Oh, Hobbs Kessler this is such a shock. I'm like, wasn't that big a shock. I mean, when Reynold Chariot bombs, Kessler is was in my eyes would have been the favorite. Him or Sam Prakel, I would have picked one of them to win. So that wasn't a huge shock. What was a huge shock was Duribu Welteje upsetting Faith Kipiegon in this mile. And Kipiegon, she went out to the front. She's leading this thing. But at 1,200 meters, I could just tell. She, could, she did not look smooth. She had this strain on her face. She didn't look comfortable. I'm like, this. I still thought she would win, but she had nothing over the last 400. Well, Teji goes by her. She had no answer. Even for Winnie Hilo of Ethiopia, ran her down at the finish line. So, well, Teji gets the win, 420.98. That's also a world record. Again, the previous world record was 427 by Nikki Hilt. So, it's only been an event for this year. But I'm looking at this, I'm like, look, something had to be wrong with Faith Kipiegon, right? This, this is just not the woman we've seen all year. She smoked Ke- Welteje by three seconds at the Diamond League final two weeks earlier. Like, what could have changed? Then it comes out, she was bent over after the race. Sounds like she'd been sick in the buildup. She was just sick, I think. Like, clearly this wasn't the normal Faith Kipiegon. So I guess, what do you guys make of this result? And... Does her taking an L, her only L of the season, in the last race of the season, does it change how you think about this season that we were calling perhaps the greatest of all time by a distance runner? I don't want it to tarnish the season, but it kind of does. I mean, it's still probably the greatest season ever, but it's no longer perfect. It's it's not as pretty as it once was. And we're about 30 minutes in this podcast. What have we been talking about? The Road Mile World Championships. We haven't been talking about the World Half Marathon Championships or the World 5K Championships, so I think there is something to be said about running this mile. But in terms of Kip Yegon, I guess she was sick. So that shows, though, how hard it is to go through a season so perfect. 
I didn't hear anyone doubting her um, excuse also. I mean, we saw another heavy favorite get defeated at the World Championships this year, and he was crucified for saying he was sick after the race. I didn't see anyone coming after Faith Kipiego and saying, oh, this is just a lousy excuse. Wow. Great point, John. So she said it publicly, I was sick? She, yeah, she told Carl Dennehy, I'll get the exact, well, I don't know if she told Carl, she said, I think maybe to a journalist in the mix zone, but then Carl Dennehy had, he he says on his Twitter, Kibiegon says she's got some congestion in her chest. She was sick last week. I just don't have an issue with an athlete saying that. Like if someone is visibly off their game, like Kibiegon was in this race, it's, if you say that, I appreciate them saying that. Now, Jakob, I don't think you could say it was quite as visible because he still ran 329. He was right in contention. He beat everyone except for Josh Kerr. It wasn't as clear and obvious as in this case, but yeah, I don't know. We got to bring everything back to Jakob in the end, right? Well, let's don't sleep on Walteji. She's 21 years of age, had a fabulous year, ran 353, 93. Got the silver at Worlds. Last, she's got good speed. By the way, she was fourth last year in the 800 at Worlds. She's the former World Junior Champion in the 800. Next time Kipiegon races, she'll be 30 years of age. Are we going to get a Noah Lyles-like prediction? Faith Kipiegon will never win another Olympic gold medal because there's a younger athlete in her event? It would not be a Noah Lyles-like prediction because Noah Lyles, because Faith Kipiogan has won a gold medal. Noah Lyles has not won one, but I see what you're going with that. No, I'm not saying she's going to lose. No, it's at some point she's going to get slower. Kipiogan, I mean, she just had the greatest season ever, probably by a women's distance runner, so I would not predict her to no- lose next year. But if your argument is, well, Teji could be the woman who takes over, yeah, I, I think that's fair to say, given 353 in her last race. 21 years old. Though, Robert, the fact she's run 157.02 for 800 meters. I mean, this means 10 years from now, she's going to be running a 211 marathon, right? Maybe probably 210 or 209. If you say Teague Stasefa was only a 159 woman, this woman's, she's in the wrong event. She should be doing the marathon, right? Coaches should at least have her do some tempo runs in the offseason, make sure she's not in the wrong event. So Ethiopia goes 1 2, while Teji and Hailu. Addie Wiley of the U.S., ninth place, 436.03. So she was 16 seconds back. Maybe the first sign that this has been a, a very long track season for, well, road track season for someone who's 19 years old. She, I mean, she would have need to have a, have a big run to medal against these women. But yeah, not, so she was ninth. And then the other American, Helen Schlachtenhoff and Dartmouth alum back in 17th. And I just want to say, for as far as Kipiego and the GOAT season is concerned, I think this probably still is the GOAT season. At least, it's definitely on the women's side. But, yeah, you're going to have to say, like, I think we just need to remember this last race, she was sick. People need to append that because people are going to be looking at this 15, 20 years from now, and they'll say, wait, she lost her last race of the season, and it was a world championship. Oh, come on, you know, it John. It just would have been... It would have been so much easier for everyone if she just runs the race and breaks the world record and wins the title. But also, who knows? Maybe 20 years from now, the World Road Running Championships, the mile doesn't even exist. And people are like, oh, that race wasn't that important to begin with. 
I don't see anyone holding against people who don't even go to World Indoors when we're doing this. Don't go to World Cross. We never held it against Gabba Celeste for begging out of that race. Mo Farah, I mean, when we have the debate about Mo Farah and where he ranks among the best, he doesn't. He didn't run World Cross, and that's been brought up. People bring up Bekele's cross-country exploits and Mo Farah's lack of them. But can we get a, a little love to Frey Winnie Hailu? who also beat Faith Kipier again in this race. Because sometimes we talk about, oh, how hard it is to be a British miler and make the team. How hard it is to be an American miler and make the team. You know what it's like in Ethiopia on the women's side? It's ridiculous. By the way, why does Ethiopia suck at men's middle distance events? They shouldn't. <laughs> we can see genetically with, with uh, Yared Nagus that they've got the talent there. But on the women's side, they've got so many people, including Farwena Hailu. She's 22. I mean, fourth at the Olympics in the 1500 in 2021. Fourth at Worlds in 2022. Some of you may be thinking, well, how'd she do this year? Did she finally get the medal? No, she didn't even get to run Worlds in the 1500, despite finishing third in Doha, second in Robot, first in Stockholm, second in Monaco. And then she won Z-Men. Dynamite League after Worlds. She was like, and then fourth at Pre. This woman is clearly one of the top milers in the world. I was picking her to medal if she ran the event at Worlds. She didn't get to run it. Instead, she ran the 5,000 where she has a 14.23 PB and was seventh. So nice to see her medal because she deserves it. And the crazy thing, Robert, is if Gudolf Sagai decides she wanted to run the 1500 in Budapest, Hailu would have been even further behind in the pecking order. It, it is nuts, the amount of young talent Ethiopia has in that event right now. Okay, let's move up to the main events, which were the half marathons. Perez Jepchichia, I'm running out of words to describe this woman. She, she's just a winner. She's a champion. I, I love that she's running this race. She's running the New York City Marathon in November. I'm loving that she's decided to still run this race, show up, defend her title. She's now the fourth woman to win three world half marathon titles, joining Tegla LaRoupe, Paula Radcliffe, and Lorna Kiplagat. All of them are legends. I mean, at this point, Perez Gipciacir is a legend as well. She won Valencia in 2020. She won the world half in 2020. 2021, she wins the Olympics and New York City Marathon. 2022, she wins Boston. Now she's won the world half for the third time, twice after having a baby, once before having a baby. And the, she's just a, the master of these kicks. Like she gets in these late close finishes and pulls away. She did it in New York. She did it in Boston. And she did it again in Riga. It was against F Margaret Kip Kemboy, who's one of the best track runners in the world, who was fourth in the 5,000 at Worlds. The winning time is 67.25, so not crazy, crazy fast by these women's standards. But it was Jeff Chirchia who prevailed in the kick and not Kip Kemboy. I don't know. I'm just I'm incredibly impressed by this woman and her consistent ability to perform on the biggest stages of the sport. She's really good. And New York this year is going to be really amazing. Because you've got her, O'Beary. Coast guy, Sharon Lucchetti, 
Well, Tessa Bagide. Yeah, she's so running New York as well. I mean, you got the speed demons and the kickers. I mean, that's going to be unreal. Whoever wins that, right? It's going to don't be say our, whoever well, wins that's the best but, marathon in the world. Teague Stasefa just ran two eleven, but it is awesome. I love that the New York City Marathon so stacked in a year when it's right before the U.S. Olympic trials. They've just got a bunch of international talent. That's fun. The interesting, it's the other thing about this women's race. So it was a Kenyan sweep, which they also swept in 2014 and 2016. The winning time of 67.25, over a minute slower than either of Teague Sefa's half marathons in Berlin. She split 66.20 for her first half, 65.33 for her second half. Granted, she had male paces the whole way, but I, I don't doubt Perez Gipchirchir could run faster, especially if she was running this sort of, sort of in November when she's peaking for that New York City marathon. But it is kind of crazy that the winning time was so much slower than a half marathon split from a week earlier. One last thing about this. I was going to give you a shout out. I thought I saw on Twitter that your British women got the bronze medal in the team competition. But I'm on the race website. I'm clicking results. I don't see the team competition. So this is part of my complaint about these type of events. Like, are you giving out team medals? What's the scoring? Do people even know about it? Do you only do it for the half marathon? I'm assuming you're not giving a team competition medal for the 5K or the road mile. But if you are giving out a medal, why isn't it on the race results page? Because I don't see it. Wikipedia does have team standings. Kenya first. They go by cumulative time. So Kenya was first at 322. Ethiopia, 327. Great Britain, bronze, 329. I don't really care about team standings in a half marathon. It's just not interesting to me. But... I was impressed by how the Brits ran in this one. You know, halfway through, you had a pack, and it was Ethiopia and Kenya as usual. But Callie Thackeray was right there, and Samantha Harrison was right there. And Thackeray ended up seventh, Harrison ninth. It's pretty rare for non-African-born athletes to finish in the top ten in these races. So, props to Callie Thackeray, who was seventh, sixty-eight fifty-six personal best for the New Mexico alum. And the cool thing is her dad, Carl Thackeray, was the bronze medalist back in 1993, almost 30 years to the day. Uh, kind of cool connection there for them. Um, but yeah, both the Brits acquitted themselves quite well, I would say, though we do have to say that Kenya swept one, two, three, four, and then you had, sorry, one, two, three, Sigi Gebrasalama of Ethiopia fourth, and then you had Kenya, Ethiopia, fifth and sixth as well. Also, the top American, Molly Grable, she ran pretty well. She's not a very big name on the U.S. running scene, but 69.53, personal best, 13th place. I mean, I think she probably gets an A for her personal effort there. So that, that was a good run for her. Sarah Hall had to withdraw due to injury. Would have been the U.S.'s best chance at doing something in this race and not a good break for her with the Olympic trials on the horizon to be withdrawing. What about the men? The men's side, the end of this race was quite interesting to me, Robert. I don't, did you see a clip of it at all? Correct, but I didn't understand the double salute. Yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with what we're talking about, the race, it looked like Daniel Benio, who was the silver medalist in the 10,000 at Worlds, 
and stepping up to the half marathon, he pulled away. He had a gap, a lead of about five seconds. It was looking strong, but then you got to about 20K and suddenly I was like, oh, he's not moving the same. He could be in trouble. Sebastian Sawway, who has run 58.02, I think, in Rome, which is a little downhill, but still you know, capable of running in the 58 lows for the half marathon. He's suddenly on the hunt and he's closing down. And we get about 150 meters from the finish line. And Ebenio is hurting. Sawe is charging. Ebenio turns around and kind of throws his arm out. And it wasn't clear to me what he meant by it. I didn't know if he was trying to get him to stop and say, hey, let's cross together and let me win. Because they're both from Kenya. But Sawe did not slow down at all, which he shouldn't. And I don't know if it was a sign of respect or something, because then when Abeno sees he's not slowing down, he salutes Sawe as if to say, hey, I don't have it. This is your title. Congrats, man. And Sawe then salutes him back. Sawe ends up winning it 59-10. Abeno second, 59-14. And I read some people saying, oh, they're both in the police in Kenya. So it was just sort of a sign of respect between them. I would really like to know what Abeno was doing. I think it was definitely a sign of respect at the end, but I didn't know what he was doing at the start, whether it was actually trying to get him to slow down or not. I found it interesting, but either way, they go one, two, three, Samuel, Mailu, third. The other thing that's ridiculous in this, they're calling it a championship record because this is the first year the event's been called the World Athletics Road Running Championships. That's just absolutely ridiculous we've been having this race for 30 years it's been the world half marathon championships for almost the you know it's been half marathon distance almost the entire time there's 120k please don't insult our intelligence by calling this thing a championship record that's just absurd thank you john i'm very adamant about certain things like tradition is important this race has been going on for a number of years don't undermine and act like it hasn't i mean that's just so stupid from a marketing standpoint Conversely, only somewhat vaguely related to this, when an NFL team or a Major League Baseball team moves cities, they immediately should change the name, never take the logo with them, and everything should be wiped out and should be considered to be a new team. Like It's insane to me that it's the Indianapolis Colts. When they stole Baltimore's team, it should no longer be their damn nickname. That's ridiculous. So this is the opposite, though. It's always he's never run a marathon, right? I don't think so. I mean, who in this day and age of all the money being in the marathon doesn't run the marathon before the age of 28 in Kenya? Well, it's because he basically didn't have any results until the age of 26. If you look at his Tillis Tapia profile, he really didn't start running anything good until... 2022 so I'm, I'm sure he'll make a debut pretty soon he's part of that two running club team that has evans chibet and benson kipruto and amos kipruto in there so i'm guessing he'll be moving up pretty soon but yeah he's very good at the half marathon he's won a lot of half marathons he run one rome ostia last year one seville won the bahrain night half marathon won berlin earlier this year and now he's the world half marathon champion so I, it kind of makes sense to me, actually, because now when he does make his marathon debut, 
his appearance fee will go up because he can say he's the world half marathon champion. I mean, that group is amazing. Like what are those men eating, drinking, training? If I was a middle distance runner, I, I would beg to go either train with Jakob or Gert. And then I would, if I was a distance runner, I'd beg to join this group. By the way, whatever happened to speaking of joining groups or Bowerman track club athlete, Mark Scott, too much fanfare earlier in the year, claimed he was going to try to join be coached by Patrick saying somewhat on time, somewhat on site and somewhat remotely was going to move up to the marathon. Is he running a marathon, John? I haven't heard anything. I'll have to check in with Mark because I thought he was maybe in Park City recently. So I don't know if that was just a vacation or something or yeah, I'm not exactly sure what his plans are right now. If you know, give us a call, 844-LET'S-RUN, 844-538-7786. You can always email us at podcast at let'srun.com. Robert, I want your verdict, though, on this salute situation. Did you think Abeno was trying to get him to slow down, or was this just respect all the way through? No comment. The people listen to the podcast for your comments. I mean, how did you see this scenario? What's, do you have a take on it? You don't have any opinion? Well, then, do you have an opinion? Did you watch this thing play out? We're not still on air, are we? John, I don't want people to know that I didn't watch this race. I only saw your pictures, still pictures on Twitter. Oh, wait. That got recorded? It's okay to admit that, Robert, but I just... I thought you said a few minutes ago that you did actually watch the finish of this race. So that's why I was pressing for your opinion. No, I saw your tweets about it. And the, the, the real proof of whether we like this event or not is Weldon and I both on Saturday night, or you said, I'm going to wake up early and watch this. You am going to be working on this. And Weldon's like, I guess you can tell if you're really into an event or not by whether you're watching it. I will be sleeping. And I said the same thing. Whereas I definitely watched the world half the last time. Yeah, my bed, my uh, wake up calls on the weekend, they're getting progressively later and later. So it was 3 10 a.m. for the Berlin Marathon. This weekend it was like 4 40 a.m. for the World Half. Next week, this coming weekend in Chicago, I think that's a 7 30 local time race, but I'm staying about an hour outside. So it's, that's probably going to be somewhere in the 5 to 6 a.m. range. Then finally, the week after that, I'll actually be able to sleep in on a weekend. I may or may not have just watched this for the first time, but this was uh, excellent, John. What's the debate? When he threw his arm out at the very start, what was that all about, Weldon? Was he actually like trying to salute him? Hey, hey, do you want to just wait and hang back there and let me, you know, we'll cross together and I get the gold medal? Because that's what I viewed it as, but I don't know. What do you, what's your take? I just think he was sort of shocked he was there, and he's like, yo, dude, slow down. And yeah. then he just did the salute, and he's like, go get him, man. I can't, like, I think he was just like, whoa, 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 slow down, man. Like, I think he didn't really expect him to stop, but he's just like, oh, my God, you're going too fast. I can't do this. Like, I think it was just uh, almost like shock, and then the double salutes were great. It's one of the best things I've seen. Oh, Andrew, it was entertaining, no doubt, but... I do think there was a little desperation. Like, oh, I definitely... It's just one of those races you've been there. We've all been there. Someone's steaming by you and that you, you it's not 
close enough to the finish line for you to really be able to go all, all out. It's just like, I know this guy's got way more in the tank than I do. And yeah, instead of trying to up his game and temp and kick it in, he just kind of tried to use some gamesmanship. Maybe I don't know. I it made it entertaining. It was more than mo- one of the more entertaining <laughs> late stages passes that I've seen. Okay, I too. I just watched it, John. We'll link to this in the show notes. It was very clear to me what was happening. He was the dude that was in the lead. Abenyo. Abenyo was grimacing and then he sees this guy and he's like, there's no chance. I don't have anything left. And he put his hand out like, let's hold hands and go in together. Yeah. A brilliant, a brilliant. So let's celebrate as a country. Maybe I'll actually then lean like by one inch and get the extra money and be considered the gold medalist for the rest of eternity. What happens if they do cross hand in hand, right? We haven't seen this in a race of this ability. Someone's going to be awarded first. I mean, unless I think they would go down to a timing system or whatever, unless there there are true dead heats. But even in those situations, <laughs> I think someone is going to be awarded it. So. And then it's massive for like your contracts and your bonuses. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought that I didn't have the killer instinct. I would hold Walden's hand and go across with him or he would have stomped on my throat. <laughs> That's why Walden finished 105th at the world half and you never ran it, Robert. Top five of the second hundred, John. Top five of the second hundred. What was the price money for 105th place? And you really should pay deeper at these things. Yeah, I was wondering why Weldon's got to be in his bonnet about this whole thing. It's because he never got any prize money when he ran the world half. So he wants to see people getting more. Okay. I guess we should talk about the 5Ks. We don't need to spend all that much time on it. And the women's race, Beatrice Chabat, was expected to win. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Beatrice Chabat is amazing. And she, and she won the World Cross Country this year. She ran 14.05 for 5K on the track, which would have been the world record at the start of the year. She got bronze in the 5K at Worlds. She wins the World Road Running Championships in this distance. But if it wasn't for Sagai having that injury, she might not even have medaled in the 5K at Worlds because there was Faith Kibieg on those Sifan Hassan. It's just such a stacked event. So good for her for showing up and winning this. I didn't think there was any doubt should be the, the champion. But it's just kind of crazy how good this event is right now on the women's side. And then in the men's race, Ethiopia won two. Yomif Kajelcha. And I don't want to say the guy doesn't have a good kick because you know, he was right. He was 100th of his bricks in the Diamond League final in the 3K. And he did win that. Diamond League early. I think it was the Oslo one, right? Where he outkicked Kip Limo. Yeah, it was Oslo. So it's not as if he doesn't have a kick at all, but I do. I just have... And he's the mile world record holder indoors. So it's not as if he has zero kick or anything, but I do have these memories of him getting outkicked. And this was another one. Hagos Gebrowet was right there with them. And... Streaks away, Gebrowet, 12.59, gets the win. Kajelcha, 13.02 second. Then huge gap back to fourth. Nicholas Kipkoria, 13.16. So pretty much as expected, Ethiopia won two. I don't know how they picked this team. Berhu Aragawi was initially named to the team. He had the fastest time in Ethiopian this year at 12.40 on the track. He's the world record holder on the roads. He wasn't running, so I don't know if he was hurt or... There's some I never quite know how Ethiopia picks these teams, but 
Yeah, Ethiopia won two. Okay, couple things. Beatrice Chibet, world cross country champion, fourteen oh five, world five k road champion, and she's so underlooked. It's amazing because you line them up on the track at five k right now. Yeah, she what probably finishes fourth. Well, it depends on who you, who you put in put in the field. Might knock her down to fifth. And Kajal just. He's just one of those guys who's like been so close so many times. Does have the silver medal from 2019. And he's a two-time world indoor champion in the 3K. So you've got to give him credit for that. World record holder in the indoor mile at one point. Still, right? No, nope. broken that yet. Oh, wow. And a lot of those things happened in... 2019. You guys know what was going on there? Yes, he was coached by Alberto Salazar at the time. And Mr. Alberto Salazar is now eligible to coach again. Well, kind of. He's permanently outside of the U.S. Olympic movement. He outside of the U.S. Olympic movement, he is able to coach. He is banned by safe sport for life. But his anti-doping ban ended over the weekend. That brings up the question. We discussed this in the Friday 15, I believe. But there's a big threat in Let's Run right now. Will Salazar coach again? The speculation there is that it would be overseas. But... He can coach actually an American athlete, from my understanding. He just can't go get a credential at the Olympic trials, that sort of stuff. I don't think there's anything stopping him from, say, Galen Rupp, if he wanted to say, Alberto Salazar is my coach, right? I mean, like, he can give him workouts, or would that somehow jeopardize Rupp? I don't think it would. No, I think by the t- the safe sport just doesn't have that much power compared to USADA. So, yeah, he wouldn't be able to show up to some of the big meets, but you could still coach people without penalty for the athletes. So, if any prominent athlete will consider using Salazar, I think Kajelcha would would probably be athlete number one. But do you think Alberto Salazar stays as a coach or over? I mean, who knows? Maybe he's been advising behind the scenes. Like, no one knows, you know, what's been going on, but... Well, Kajelcha, I don't know. I don't know where Kajelcha is based, but you're acting as if, oh, he needs to go back to Salazar. Kajelcha is still one of the best runners in the world. He's running. He's running, running really well. He just ran seven twenty three for three k. There are just other good guys. I don't think Alberto Salazar is magically going to take him. Make the difference between getting fifth at Worlds and getting the gold medal. Do Do you think that? It's a fine. It's a fine line, John. The sport's all about. The narrowest margins. If the, if the coach doesn't make that little difference, what's the point of the coach? He certainly did it for Galen Rupp and Mo Farah. Look, I think that the the sponsorship pressure in the U.S. would be too high for him to coach an American. Publicly, I'd be afraid there'd be like a boycott. Although I guess the shoe company probably could not cut their contract. But... But just because of the safe sport ban, 
But I do think it's a question on a serious note, John, you or someone else, we've got Mike Knapp working for us as well in Chicago this weekend, is going to ask us Galen Rupp, like, Alberto's ban is over. Have you thought about going back to him as a coach? Have you had any conversations with him? Like, I I, I think it's much more, without the safe sport ban, which was for him allegedly digitally penetrating some athletes during massages, I think, I think he would definitely be coaching. This guy loves to coach. He wasn't banned for doping any actual athletes. And I think he would be back. I, I feel like after Me Too and all this stuff, if a lot of your money is from your actual endorsements in the U.S., there might be some blowback on that. But I think overseas, like some foreign body could hire him. Or a more likely scenario would be just that like, I mean, who's his former assistant? Tim Roberry? He just starts advising Tim Roberry on what to do. You don't have to worry about like getting caught calling him up on the phone and getting the workouts via email or something like that. Yeah. I'm I think if he's gonna retire, I mean I could see someone like Bahrain or Qatar hiring him as a coach or China or something like that. But who in the United he's I feel like he's kind of radioactive in the US. Like who would go back to him? <laughs> Galen Rupp. Maybe Rupp, but even then I don't think so. From a let's run financial perspective, I hope it is announced on Friday's press conference that Salazar is coaching Rupp. The message board will melt down. Too cynical for me to comment. If you want Weldon's thoughts, go on the Friday 15. We did talk about it a little bit there as well. I mean, I I just want to remind people of what he was banned for for safe sport. Like you said, Robert, digitally penetrating athlete. Just It's not a guy we should be celebrating his return to the sport, but he is mostly free to coach again. But as we said on the Friday 15, like, we wish safe sport was more transparent. When you're protecting kids, it's a different issue. But here was an adult. Now, obviously, there's a power imbalance. But I don't like sort of opaque judicial bodies. And there was there isn't a right to appeal. There is some due process in there. But he wasn't criminally convicted of anything. And that's not the only bar. And, you know, we're seeing now, like, was Russell Brand hasn't been even charged with a crime. And he's been, like, demonetized everywhere. and. Some people would say rightfully so, but there's something about that that I, I don't like. Private companies can, can do what they want. And here it is. It is more than just allegations. There was somebody finding guilt. But, and this body was created by Congress, so it's more than some like college, you know, sexual assault board where sometimes you can't even cross-examine people. I don't know how, how safe sport exists, but there's basic ideas of jurisprudence that we like that I don't know. So if somebody wants to take all the public blowback, you can get that's their right. And also I believe in redemption for people. So I, I don't think any, I don't know. It's it's, there's a lot of conflicting things going on here, right? Yes. I mean, in terms of like knowing how to feel about it, it would have been simpler if he was, criminally convicted and you can say oh this guy's clearly a monster and yeah the, the standard of proof the burden of proof is not as high in safe sport but he has been sanctioned like obviously the allegations like you said they're more than allegations so it, it's a complicated uncomfortable subject I think for the sport especially if he takes on a more prominent role which I'm not convinced he will 
I don't know how or you're gaining by talking about this. I think I've said this before. I don't think safe sports should exi- exist for adults, but I mean, we're seeing football coaches lose $90 million contracts for having phone sex. Consensual phone sex. Well, I guess she said it wasn't consensual, but how can phone sex not be consensual? Can't you just hang up? So th- this is obviously a lot more egregious allegations. But it's just disturbing, man. The older I get, just the more corruption there is and the disgusting human beings there are out there. I mean, think about it. Both major party credit pendants for president last time have been accused of sexual indiscri- unwanted sexual touches, just like Alberta Salazar. Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Donald Trump's been convicted of it, I believe. Not in a criminal case, but some other case. So it's just, dudes, you have a brain, use that one to think. The other one, don't do it. Okay, let's move on to this weekend's action, the Chicago Marathon. I will be there this weekend doing some interviews, writing some stories. We will have a Friday 15, planning on it on Friday after the press conferences, so probably be recorded Friday afternoon. We'll get some insight from the pros. But I do have some big picture storylines because I think this is going to be fascinating. It is the last chance for a lot of Americans before the Olympic trials. We've also got some serious star power at the top of the races. Kelvin Kiptum, Sifan Hassan, Ruth Chepengedich. So we'll have previews out in a few days on the website of the races, but I, I just wanted to ask you guys a couple questions. Get Take your temperature on how you're feeling right now about the race. So my first question who is the top American male finisher? Connor Mance, Galen Rupp, or if you're really feeling crazy, someone else? This is kind of crazy. When is the last time Rupp finished a race and he wasn't the top American, John? It's never happened in the marathon, right? Ever? In a marathon, it has never happened. But the reason we are asking this question is because he hasn't really done much the last couple of years. We know he's been dealing with injuries. His last three races... 209.36 at the World Championship Marathon in July 2022. That was 19th place. Dropped out of the New York City Marathon on November 6th last year. And then his only race of 2023, 64.57, the 17th place at the New York City half. So you're reckoning with a few things. One is he's 37 years old and hasn't run very well recently. And he hasn't really looked like the old Rupp you know, vintage Rupp, the last time we saw him, I'd say it was in Chicago in 2021 when he runs 206. Since then, it hasn't been the same guy. So are you taking him or are you taking Mance, who ran 208.16 in his Chicago debut last year, ran 210.25 for 11th in Boston this year? I mean, I got to go with Mance. But world in Eugene, John, 209, not horrific. Well, no, he, he stopped to... I think throw up a couple, like he stopped multiple times in that race. So I think that's probably a 208 uh, if he doesn't have these, like whatever the issues were at the end of the race. So crazy. He doesn't have the American record in the marathon with super shoes because the game has changed. Tonya Sullivan wrote something this week. Like no Irish man has run as fast as a woman's world record time in like years. <laughs> you know, women are running 211s. And we're thinking, still thinking dudes' times are good at 209. It's not. I'm sorry. It's like an old 213 back in the day or something. So 
but just with no recent body of work, if I have to bet, I'm going to assume it, it's not there. The fact he's running the race makes me think maybe it's there. So I'd love to hear what you find out at, at the press conference. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, I get, I'm going to have to hear what he has to say. It's hard to make an inte- informed opinion on this because, yeah, like you said, Weldon, we just don't know what he's been up to. If he comes up to the press going and says, hey, my training's been great. I haven't had any setbacks. I've been able to do everything I wanted. Then I'd be like, all right, I think I'm going to pick Galen Rupp. But I talked to Ed Eyestone yesterday, who's Conor Mance's coach. He's saying, hey, everything's been going great for him. This is the best shape you know, he's been in for a marathon He's thinking like 206, 207, a time, that sort of time could be realistic for Connor if, on a good day. That's going to take a very good Galen Rupp to beat. So I'm going to be interested to see what he says and if he's how interrupted his training has been. Because if he hasn't been able to do everything he wants in training, I just don't see him beating Connor Mance. Don, John, did you find out what happened with New Haven Gate? I did. And. Ed was like, yeah, look, they kind of decided they were clear of everyone else. They didn't need to go to the well. He kind of was like, it's not what I would have done, but you know, they were fine with it. They're training partners. They do everything together in practice. So yeah, it was that did sound like the fix was kind of in on that one. Thank you. I want everyone to apologize who <laughs> criticized me when I said that. Formal apologies. Please email Weejo, W-E-J-J-O at let'srun.com. Thank you. That's actually a big story. We probably should have led the whole podcast with this. In case you don't know what we're talking to, the New Haven US at the US 20K Championships, Weldon watched the end of the of the finish, and he thought it looked like that Connor Mance let his teammate Clayton Young win the race. Weldon put that out on Twitter. People blasted Weldon, and now it's been confirmed by the coach. It, it is amazing how myself and my genetic equal we can pick up things from not even being at the race. The, the average idiot at the race has no idea what's going on. It's just. God gave us a gift. God gave us a gift. Robert isn't including you in the average idiot category, by the way. If you're listening to this podcast, clearly you're not an idiot. So just didn't want to have that come across as an attack. Robert, Mance or Rupp? What are you thinking? Well, since we haven't talked to Rupp, it has to be Mance. But if Rupp finishes races, I think he's beaten him. So I think Rupp's either going to drop out or be in good enough shape to beat him. I don't see Rupp going through and running 210. He's already got the qualifier. I mean, I will point out in 2022, Rupp ran 209 while walking in the middle of the race with nothing from March until the race. So it wasn't like, I'm like, oh, he should have run some prep races. I just think 37, he's probably hurt. and It's going to be man's, but I kind of, it's weird. I was never a big Rupp fan, and now I'm kind of like, oh, I want him to stomp these guys if he's actually in the race, which makes it more interesting. I'm looking at the field here. also have my... Hard copy of the 2002 Chicago Marathon Media Guide. Wait okay. a second. Wait a second, Robert. You're wrong that Rupp has the time. He does not. The qualification and ranking period for the 2024 Olympic Marathon is from November 1st, 2022 to April 30th, 2024. Rupp's 209, that was in July 2022. So he needs, at a minimum, to finish this race and run 211.30. Though I guess if you... He probably will run that time at the Olympic trials if he was to finish in the top three, but he, he's not all set. Oh, I mean, he has the time. Oh, I thought I meant he, I mean, he has the time to qualify for the trials. Oh, good point. Oh, yeah. So Rob needs a 211.30. He, he's got to do that. He, he needs that. Get that out of the way here. So 
I take back what I say. He's either going to beat Mance or not. I, I think he'll run under two eleven thirty. I think he actually. I'm going to change my pick. I think. I mean, I think he's going to lose to Mance. But if we hear that, if Rupp tells you on Friday everything's perfect, I'm picking Rupp. Yeah. But also, what about the two oh eight time? Well, the, Galen Rupp could help out American marathoning a lot by running two oh eight ten. And I do think if he's in shape, that's something he's going to go for. I was talking to Ed Eystone, and he was saying, "Yeah, you know." They have to finalize these pace groups and figure out what Galen wants. You know, he's going to have a say in that. Obviously, so will Mance. But like Rupp, if I if I was Rupp, I mean, my I don't know Galen Rupp. His the, his attitude to these things, he's usually not going half measures. But he's not. He knows he's not going to be able to beat Kiptum, right? So I don't know. It'd be interesting how he plays it. But I think Galen Rupp, if you're in, if you're in good shape. Trying to get that Olympic standard should be a, a big priority because he doesn't have it, and it would also put the United States as a whole in a better position for qualifying athletes for Paris. In case you don't know, the U.S. has no one under the two eight ten standard, but Connor Mance's world ranking is high enough; he's going to go. So it doesn't really matter if he breaks two eight ten. But if you're an American fan, you want to see Rupp break two eight ten, definitely. Because even if he runs like 208.20, his world ranking is not going to be high enough, I don't think. Well, it might be eventually after the trials. but um, Or you want to see someone like Princeton's own alum, fellow alum, Matt McDonald, who's got a pretty good ranking. He needs to run like 208 or 209. And also, you need the bonus points. So if you finish like eighth, it's like 45 bonus points, which is like, which is like the equivalent of taking two minutes off your time. So you definitely want to be in the top 10 and run close, you know, to that standard if you've already got a pretty good ranking. But it's kind of interesting, John. You know, people say everything's so much different than it was back in the day. I've got my 2002 media guide here. I just looked at the press release from this year. There's 16 guys under 210 in the race this year. 2002, there were 15 guys under 210. Khalid Kanuchi, Paul Turgot, many others. Marathon debut for Alan Culpepper, Ryan Shea. Two very prominent men were pacers in that race. Someone by the name of Weldon Johnson and Rod DeHaven. Rod DeHaven, of course, was an Olympic team member. What about Brian Sell? Who made the 2004 Olympic team? He was my backup pacer. Well, thank you for that trip down memory lane, Robert. Now... Returning to 2023, women's side, this this is a stacked field from an American perspective. It did take a hit. Alephine Tulliamuk had to withdraw from this race last week. Again, not a great sign with the Olympic trials on the horizon, but she's protecting her health for that thing. So instead, we've got Emily Sisson, the American record holder, set the American record of 218.29 in this race last year against Emma Bates, who ran great in Boston this year, 222, and said she thought she was in American shape in Boston. American uh, record shape. The course isn't quite American record shape. Yeah, yeah, sorry. American record shape in Boston. Obviously, the course isn't quite as conducive. So this sets up for a showdown. Sisson or Bates, you've also got Molly Seidel, the Olympic bronze medalist in there. I think she's a bit behind these women at the moment, but... Who you guys got, Sisson or Bates in Chicago as top American woman? Sisson. I agree. 
Yeah, I have Sisson as well. I mean, again, depending on what I've heard from, see what I hear from them and their coaches about their training, but Sisson, just this is her kind of race. He, she does well in on flat, fast courses. We saw this in Chicago last year. We saw it in London when she made her debut in 2019. Bates, I don't doubt, can run significantly faster than her personal best. Can she get down to 218, which is what it might take to beat Sisson, what it would have taken to beat her last year? Not certain about that. But I just think Sisson's more proven in this kind of race. At the trials, it might be totally different. But in this sort of race with pacing, I'm guessing it's going to be close to American record pace. I'll go with Sisson, who's shown she can do it before. And obviously, you're going to try to reach out to them, so... Sign up for the Supporters Cup today. Let's run.com slash subscribe so you can get the inside scoop from the press conferences on Friday. But one other thing about the, if, we're, if we're comparing the two just in a vacuum, looking, you know, act like phones don't exist and we can't call them up this week. We know Bates is in, we, we know Assistance in shape. She won the US 20K. She was second at Falmouth. Bates hasn't raced since Boston. So unless I'm going to stalk them on Strava or Instagram or something. And I've got good news, folks. John, just a few days ago, was texting me saying, do you think America's screwed for the Olympics? It's going to be too hot in Boston for anyone to pick up the time. Well, that's not exactly what he said. You seemed worried about the temperature, but... Well, I was worried about the temperature because my long-term forecast on my phone (laughs) didn't go to Saturday and Sunday. It just went to Friday. If you look at the temperature on Friday in Chicago... Oh, sorry. All right. Today, it's 83 degrees in Chicago. Tomorrow, Wednesday, is 82. Thursday, is 75. I was like, that's not looking good for the weekend. But Robert, the maestro of the weather machine, please let us know what the forecast is for Sunday morning. The, the high for the day is going to be just 59, which is great. Someone in the last run said it might be a little chilly. But 7.30, it's going to be 45 degrees. This is almost perfect weather for – I mean, this is perfect weather for – Marathoning, to be honest, 45 degrees at the start, 50 degrees at the finish. Like John Keller, can you get any better than that? But I mean, it's just warm enough that once you start running, you're not cold. This gets to my next question. Which is more likely, (laughs) a men's or women's world record on Sunday? Because remember, last year in Chicago, Ruth Chepengedich went out in 65-44, Ends up running 2.14.18, missing the world record by 14 seconds. Kelvin Kiptum, the leading men's entrant, his last race, he ran 2.01.25 in London in April, probably would have broken the world record if he had run close to the even splits. That was a big negative split, and the weather wasn't all all that good. It looks like it's going to be great weather. It's a fast course. We've seen world records broken in Chicago. Who do you think has the better shot at the world record, and do you think we could expect one on Sunday. The men's world record is definitely the most likely one to go, but I don't think either one's going. I mean, up until Berlin, I would have said women's world record, women's world record, women's world record. I almost might have expected it based on how she ran last year. But 2.11, that's a, that's a half a generation ahead to me. That's going to be tough to beat unless you know we get wheels on shoes. But Kipton has shown the ability that he can break 2.0109 in the right conditions. He's run 201 in both of his marathons, which is just insane. He's young. Now, do I think he's going to do it? No. 
he, he's the, I keep the Kenyan press, the journalists over there. Uh, some of the headlines are just so bad. It's like, I just Google Calvin Kipton. It's like Kipton eyes world record. There's nothing in the article that says he eyes the world record from this week. He's not even quoted in the article. They, people are just writing these BS headlines. The one thing I saw about a month ago when he was actually talking about it, he said he wasn't going for the world record. And it sounded like he had a hiccup in his training. So that's another key. Yeah, I have the quote to here, Robert, from September 7th. I know I will break the marathon world record, but that may not happen during the Chicago race because I started late training and my body is not yet in its best form. So I think I agree with everything you just said, Robert. I would have expected the women's world record to go until Berlin. Now it's in a new stratosphere. So probably not. And Kiptum has the talent, but unless his training was perfect, I, I don't think he's going to get it on Sunday. But I think he's got the better shot of the two. Who's got the better shot at the American record? Rupp or Mance? Rupp, because we've seen that sort of ceiling in the past. I don't think either of them are going to get it. Mance, I mean, the American record is 205.38. I just don't think he's ready to run that quite yet. Maybe in a couple of year or two, a year or two if he keeps improving. But I would say if Rupp's close to full strength, I think he's probably been in that sort of shape before. So I would say Rupp. I don't think either of them have a good shot at it, though. All right, another question for you guys. Molly Seidel is running her first marathon since she dropped out of Boston in 2022. Her four marathons to date have all gone exceptionally well. She was second in the Olympic trials in her debut, sixth in London in a PB in 2020, running 225, third at the Olympics in 2021, then fourth in New York in 2021, an American course record of 224.42. But we know she's been through some injuries, some eating disorder, stuff that she's still managing, mental health issues. It has not been an easy go of it the last couple of years since Sapporo for Molly Seidel. She's raced a few times this year. She was ninth in the US 20K championships. She was eighth of the Falmouth Road Race. We know her best event is the marathon. What are you expecting from her in this race? Big picture, not much. I'm hoping she does something to make me think that she can be a factor of the trials and wow. Four months? Is that right? Four months, yep. Actually, four months exactly from today is the Olympic trials. Wow, if I was still competing, I'd be so jacked right now for the trials. Got to start getting some sponsorships for our coverage. People dig bucks, just email me. Make it easy. Thank you. Weejo at bloodsrun.com. Yeah, you'll get... Sponsor all our coverage. I mean, we're going to be going balls to wool for this thing. It's the Olympic Marathon Trials. It's one of the biggest events in... Let's run.com. But in terms of title, well, then I think you're right. I think the best case scenario for her, I don't, she's not, I don't think she's going to be ready to go with Bates and Sisson. She hasn't really shown anything to suggest that, but if she can just get through the distance, finish and run, you know, two twenty five or something that to me is like, okay, Molly Seidel. She's, this is a starting point. And we know she does well in these tougher championship-style marathons, like at the trials in 2020, like at the Olympics in 2021. 
if you can just say, hey, we got a time, a result down, I can finish the distance, and then maybe I can rely on my toughness to actually get a spot in the top three at the trials, that would be great. So I think if she can run 225, 226, just get a result on the board, that's going to be a win for Molly Seidel. Great minds think alike. Look, she's going to get killed by Bates and Sisson, but that's not a surprise. She was three minutes behind them, but besides behind Sisson at the US 20K. Sisson ran like 6609 and Bates ran 6904. So I thought to myself, okay, what's best case scenario? She runs what she ran in New Haven for the whole distance. And I multiplied it out. 225.42 pace. So your 225.226 talk is good. Anything under 225, and I'm running out of there, giving her and putting an ape, you know, it's like my son when he comes home from kindergarten. You get a sticker on here, boy. Great job. So anything under 225, and she's back to me. Like, it's relevant for us. Watch out. She's got to improve 10 seconds a mile. She's a, she's a player at the trials. Anything over, like, if I put the over under at 226, I want to say under to give me hope. Anything over 226, and I'm like, she's in trouble for the trials. I know she's tough. I know she's talented. Talent doesn't go away, but you only have so much time. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, going into the lost trials, no one would have picked her. It's not like she was doing anything crazy. She ran 70-27 to get her trials qualifier in December. And hadn't done anything to suggest she was kind of ready to rock a marathon, but she was also racing a bunch and was healthy. And she had, I mean, she has been racing a bit this year. That's a good sign for her. She's run three races since June. They haven't been at the standard she was at before her issues, but the fact that she's literally out there racing, if she's been logging a lot of training for this race, I mean, I'm interested to see how her preparation's gone. Yeah, be, this is like a kind of a a bellwether. Like, is Molly Seidel going to be a factor at the trials? We'll probably find out after her race in Chicago. All right, those were the main Chicago topics I wanted to hit on this week's podcast. Or, yeah, we'll have our Friday 15 from Chicago on Friday after we've talked to Rupp and Seidel and all the pros. So we'll have some more insight to share then. Anything else you guys wanted to touch on Chicago or any other topics in the running world before we wrap? Well, there was a big story over the weekend on Sunday morning. The Twin Cities Marathon and 10 Miler were both canceled just hours before the start. Some people view this as the decline of American society. We've gotten soft. Others have said it was a smart and prudent move. And then others have criticized the move just for the timing of it. They said that nothing really changed in the weather forecast over the last day or two. And then the fourth argument I saw was, you should have at least run the 10-miler. It wasn't that hot for a 10-miler. Or, or also, why didn't you just move everything up a couple hours? I know it's hard to plan, but rather than canceling the race, can't you move everything from 9 a.m. to 6 a.m. or something like that? My thoughts are simple. Is America softer than it used to be? Yes. Is that a bad thing? man, if I'm in charge of this race, I'm not getting sued into oblivion. They have the thing called the wet bulb globe temperature. And there's even research papers talking about 
what temperature you can have for certain races, including Twin Cities, like based on the hospital size and the race size, et cetera. I'm fine with them with races going with that. But my my take on this is it should be published on the race site well in advance. This shouldn't be a game time decision. This should be taken out of the out of the decision making of, of the people because it would be very hard to make this decision. Like, I don't know, the insurance payments and all this, and you give the people his money back and et cetera. Like when you sign up for the race, it's just clearly state. This race will be canceled, will not be run if the wet, wet temperature, globe, whatever, I think it was 69 in this case. And that's what they claimed all along was 69, but no one knew that. Then people can't really complain about it. You signed up for it. You knew what it was. You was unlucky that it was that hot, and we didn't do it. So I'm fine with the race being canceled, I guess, as I get more risk averse. Um, another option people were saying was, what do you think about this? Just like say, okay, if you can't move it up an hour or two, you just say, we're cutting it. You you have loudspeakers and you help people to run slow. And then you say you're cutting off the race at like 12 o'clock. I think that might enrage more people though. The slow people out in the course and they just fold up shop in the middle of the race. Yeah. I also think it would have people going out harder than they probably should because they don't want to get pulled off the course. It could lead to disastrous consequences. I don't have a huge issue with the marathon getting canceled. I do think... The 10 mile, it surprises me. I feel like they could have done that and it would have been okay to run it. I, I'm quoting from the Fast Women newsletter here. They said it was canceled. The temperature, the, here's were the conditions for that race. It was below 70 degrees at the start, three hours after the start, well after almost everyone would have finished. The temperature was 72 degrees with 75% humidity and a dew point of 64. So that's not fun, but I don't think it's unsafe for a 10 mile. And I also think if you maybe... I don't know if you have the bandwidth to put everyone from the marathon into the 10 mile, but if you gave them the option of saying, Hey, you could run the 10 mile instead of the marathon. I think that would have been a way to salvage something, but in terms of canceling the marathon, it's unfortunate, but I think they had the best of intentions here. And this isn't like, look, they, they're probably taking a hit financially from it. They want to stage this race. Like, I don't think it's just saying them saying, oh, we're canceling it, you know, because it's a little warm. Like, I'm sure they really wanted to hold this race. So I don't have as big an issue with the marathon. It would have been nice to see if they could r- find a way to run the 10 mile. John, I think they keep the money these days. That's how these things work. Oh, really? I'm saying that very uninformed. I guess beforehand we'll double check that, check the show notes. Well, they also have insurance packages for stuff, right? So I, I don't know how that factors into it. Well, I, but we can all agree. I think they would have wanted to stage the race if they could, right? Like they're not just looking for it. You don't think they're just looking for excuses to cancel it. I don't think that's the case. Okay, there's an interview here actually from NPR News. They were talking with Dean Orton, who's the president of Twin Cities in Motion, which is the organization that runs the marathon. And asking about refunds, here's what he had to say. Right now, that's one of our top priorities. We're working through the process. As we know, if you run other events, and it's clear in the registration, these outdoor events, there's risk. They sign off on a no-refund policy. It's very specific, and everyone checking a box. That said, where we're at, we're looking at with the board, what's the most generous thing we can collectively do for credit or really addressing unfinished business. We wanted people to run so badly yesterday. So yes, we're working through. They said, even though the box says we don't have to issue refunds, we think we want to. We're just trying to figure out what we can do as a nonprofit 
that helps the Ryan community get back in motion. So they said they're planning on giving an update on Thursday to runners who were affected by this. There you have it. It's a nonprofit. Everyone thinks I'm some, some far right winger. I'm all for nonprofits running all the road races. I even want the cities to own the sports teams. I have two more things to discuss in this pod. Both related to the mile. I'm the top two milers in the world. Sorry, Josh Kerr. One sad, one happy. The sad one, it came out that Gert Ingebrigtsen, the father and former coach of Jakob Ingebrigtsen, was not at his son's wedding two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. That just shows like what a falling out they had. And it's just sad. There's no way around it, right? Like, clearly something happened, and Jakob doesn't want his dad at the wedding. I mean, I'm sure the world would be better off if whatever happened between them didn't happen. So it also shows, you know, don't have to be convicted in court to do something pretty upsetting to somebody. But the good news related to the mile is by something I've never seen before. There was an article on Yernigus. He went back to a JV cross-country race. He had a communications team. That's a good move, regardless. And essentially in this article in the Courier-Journal, that's the Louisville Courier-Journal, his hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville home paper, newspaper. He's got a quote here saying, I think I can get the world record. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an American male reasonably saying they think they can get the world record in the mile in 1500. I'm not sure I ever thought I would see this day. So congrats to Yard Nagus. Because it's not crazy. When you're 0.84 off, I think that's where he is in the mile right now. If you're not thinking about the world record, something's wrong about you. So it's crazy how far this guy came. Yeah, if you said that at the start of the year in October, Yara News will be talking about breaking the mile world record, but it would have been nuts. But now, like you said, if you've already run 343, he's only 24 years old. He assumes he's going to be getting better. If you think you're going to get better, why wouldn't you think you could PR? Like we always say, if you PR, keep PRing. Eventually, you'll break the world record. Most people never get close enough to make that a realistic goal, but for Yarda Goose, it is a realistic goal. Now, it would be nice if he could get Jakob Ingebrigtsen to sign up to pace the whole thing, but I don't think that's that far-fetched a request because that's kind of how Jakob runs these things. Jakob probably, Jakob has said he wants to take a run at the world, and he wants to break every world record from the 1500 to the marathon. So if you're Yarda Goose, just make sure you're in that race where he takes a run of the mile world record, and that's your shot. Wow. Roger, who once led the Yard and the Goose fan club, said, watch out, this guy's going to be a star. I think at the time that meant making the Olympic team, but we should go back and try to find those. the audio. He's silent. His, it's like, I don't know, like the... The dog caught the car or something. Don't know what to do. Don't know what to say. Well, I actually was the one that found the Louisville article. I was the one that put it on the homepage. I was the one that started the message board thread about it. 
And I'm the one that posted numerous posts on the message board. By the way, if you're not going to the letrun.com message board, if you're free riding on this podcast and you're not a supporters club member, you need to be coming to the website each and every day. Let'srun.com slash forum to get the latest news. But I was like, he talks big. And then someone's like, well, why wouldn't he say that when he's within a second of the world record? I mean, it's a logical thing to say. I don't think the world records are going to go down next year because it's an Olympic year. When are they going to chase the time? I, mean, I guess they could do it after the Olympics because the Olympics are pretty early in the year. But I was more silent just thinking about things as a father. There was a post on the message board about Gert and Jacob's wedding saying, interesting, at the end of the day, the pursuit of excellence requires enormous sacrifices. Gert and Jacob won it all at the cost of their father-son relationship. Enormous sacrifice for enormous reward. And I've always wondered if this is true. Like, do you have to be in a, do you have to sleep in the office if you're an NFL coach? To have a startup, do you have to work seven days a week? I remember being obsessed when I was starting at Cornell. Steve Spurrier was starting as the Washington Red then it was the Redskins. Now it's the commander's coach. He didn't put as much time. He was more creative. Now he flamed out in the NFL. But I like the different paradigm. But Dad's out there. Would you raise your son right now? If I give you the option, you can raise your son, you can coach him to the Olympic gold, but you won't have any relationship with him after that. You won't go to his wedding. Take it or leave it. Do you take it or not? I'm pretty sure I don't. I think most dads wouldn't take that. Being a dad, you want to you want to have that. What's the what's it worth if you can't enjoy it with your son? But I do agree that well, I, it does seem that. That was a high-stress, high-intensity relationship of Gert coaching Jakob and kind of them working together towards that goal. But we're also not sure that's the reason for this schism. It could have been something else entirely or some other incident. So I, I don't think it's worth speculating and saying that's that's the cost of it. It's just unfortunate, yeah, that their relationship has deteriorated, but we don't know why. Yeah, and the rumors that I have heard, I don't think involve Jakob as much as other family members, but it, you know, it's all related to him being very demanding, right? Yeah. I, I don't think it's any secret. Yeah. It was pretty demanding, but he also got incredible results, not just from Jakob, but from Henrik and Philip as well. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say, Robert on that yard news, world record thing, I put out a poll on Twitter a couple weeks ago. I said the last two American records in the mile stood for 25 years, Steve Scott and 16 years, Alan Webb. How long will yard uses stand for? I gave the options five years or less, five to 10 years, 10 to 20 years, or 20 plus years. 69%. Well, actually, all right. I'll let you weigh in. If you had to guess, where in those ranges would you say this record stands? Five years or less, five to 10 years, 10 or 20 years, 10 to 20 years, or 20 plus years for 343.97 is the American record of the mile. 20 plus. Unless he breaks it himself. I say at least 10 plus, maybe maybe 20 plus wouldn't be crazy. 69% of the voters said it would be broken within the next five years, which I just blew my mind. Like, I don't think people realize how perfect everything was set up for Nagoose in that Eugene race. And we have this temptation to say, oh, well, he was really good, but this was his only, only his first year running at this level on the pro scene. And 
he'll be even better next year and Jakob's going to be improved. And if he gets in a race again like that with him, he'll run even faster. I'm just like, you don't know any of that. Yara Nagusa's injuries derailed his last two years before this season. We don't know if he's going to be able to keep it going. They only run one fast mile a year, basically. And next year will probably be the pre-classic when it'll be May instead of the end of the season when everyone's in peak form. I just, it's crazy to me that everyone thinks, oh, no, he ran 343. He must be able to run faster in the next couple of years. Look at Noah Nien and Hisham El Garouge. They ran 343 back in 1999, and it took the world 24 years for anyone else to run a 343. So, yeah, I think at least 10, and Robert, maybe 20 plus. You might be right there. Well, my 20 plus is assuming I'm not counting him breaking his own record. Oh, well, okay. I was not. I was saying even Yarid. I think. I don't. Well, think, I think that will. Be, I think Yarid Nagus will retire with a mile PB of three forty three point nine seven. What do you What do you say? Yeah, I, I think there's a great odds that that's the case. Fifty, sixty percent, maybe even higher. That he never runs faster than that. But I can see why the average person thinks, "Oh, he's young. He's going to PR." But to me, a he got a rabbit for the entire damn race. That's one. Two, the weather was gigantic. This was warm day with not that much wind, although I could see in the intro to the starts, you could see the wind. The flags were kind of stiff, but it was more of a crosswind. It looked like maybe a diagonal wind. But I've noticed this a lot in the East Coast. I assume it's true out in Oregon. There's a lot, like, they should really have the track season in the fall. Like, there's so little wind. Like, the last few nights, I've been outside with my son with his little helicopter. There's been zero wind. I'm like, you could run a world record tonight. It's been, like, 65 degrees, no wind, none. It's like California weather for these 10 days. And there's less wind at pre when you have it in September than when you do in June. And one thing I never said about that race is, Jared had a rabbit for the whole race. But I'm still pissed that they didn't have a better rabbit for Jakob. Like the fact that the rabbit only made it 900 meters in that race is despicable. You have to have a rabbit at Hayward Field go at least 1,100 meters because the wind is hitting you from 900 to 1,100. That's where it's always windy. So they had all these 348 guys take one of them out of the race and make them rabbit the damn race, Phil. One more thing about that Nagus record. Minded by staring at this 2002 Chicago Marathon media guide. The American men's record in the marathon was set by someone with African heritage over 20 years ago. Could be the same thing in the in the mile. You think the goose is peaked? No. I guess there aren't many miles run, but... That's the I thing, guess. Wilton. He could be in better shape than he was for that race. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked by that. But getting in that race with a perfect rabbit at, in a, at the mile distance, which is rarely run, that's why I don't see it coming together. But also, the bar has been set, guys. Somehow I had to start. Like maybe Cole Hawker now is like, well, that's what you got to be able to run. That's the beauty of it. In some ways, almost I wish it was the fifteen hundred. Because then the bar would be set in an event they run all the time. The mile, they can maybe rationalize in their head, well, we don't run it that often. 
Well, Canucci set the bar in the marathon over 20 years ago. No one's come close to it. We've invented super shoes and still no one's come closer. I love how Weldon thinks it's just mental. Oh, the bar's set. We're just going to go do it. Come by y'all. Oh, I love how you think like people don't, that well, Bernard Lagat didn't raise the bar for American distance runners and they raised the bar to compete with him and got better. So you think Cole Hawker's just going to roll over and like, oh, lose to the yard and the goose every single time? The bar's been set. These guys are the same era. And used to be pretty competitive together. So I think he's going to try to figure out a way. How can I become a 327, 1500-meter runner? In fact, Hawker was the better runner just two years ago. Remember, he won NCAAs over Nagoose and beat him convincingly at the Olympic trials. Not that long ago. And Hawker has never trained at altitude. So I'm not, I'm not saying... You, you guys want it now. I'm getting angry. You're 2024 Olympic champion, Cole Hawker. Oh, my God. There's my bull prediction right there. The man who predicted Shakari Richardson. That, you guys acting like that was bold. That wasn't even that bold. But Cole Hawker, Olympic 2024 champion. All right. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Make sure you join the supporters club if you haven't already. Let's run.com slash subscribe. That way you'll get our Chicago Marathon preview pod on Friday. We'll have boots on the ground coverage, previews, post-race analysis. All that good stuff. Should be a great weekend of racing in the Windy City. Until then, so long. Go, te- Go Texas Rangers.